Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to the club. Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, what now for Manchester United? What now for Jose Mourinho? And which West Ham player did a passable impression of a South American footballing genius in their 3-1 victory? We'll get into the premium Premier League match that was Chelsea-Liverpool and check in on goings-on at City, Everton, Arsenal and Spurs. Finally, a look ahead to the Champions League. But first, bring me my silly music. Yes, back by popular demand, it's Mystery Player. Here is a footballer giving you some clues about their identity and we'll reveal who it is at the end of the podcast. Here we go. Hi, in 2009, I won the Football League trophy with Luton and in 2013, the Scottish League Cup with St Mirren. The best player I've played alongside is John Terry and that was before he was famous. Have a big think and stick around until the end of the programme to hear who it is. Let's take you now into the beautiful surroundings of the Telegraph's audio recording facility where I'm joined by the king of tactics. It's JJ Ball. JJ, what's going on? Very good, thank you. I'm glad to be called the king of tactics. I'm looking forward to whatever <laughs> horrible moniker you give me each week. Yes, well, it's good. It keeps you uh, It keeps you feisty, I think. It means uh, I have to work hard to live up to it. Absolutely. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good ma- Good podcast management, I think. We also have the queen of European football. It's Mina Razuki, of course. How are you, Mina? I'm really tired. And oh, I, no. I think I fractured another toe. Another toe? I know. This is like the third one in like a year and a half. Is it? Is it a metatarsal issue? I think so. Goodness. I'm basically a football player now. But you're okay to talk into a microphone? I think so. That's, I'm going to soldier through it. That's the main thing. Finally, completing the lineup today, it's the crown prince of football news. It's Matt Law. What's going on, Matt? I wondered. Can I be a duke? Yeah, of course. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'll be the Duke. Yeah, you get to you get to choose your own title. <laughs> Shall we start with Jose Mourinho and his Manchester United team? It, it feels it's very well trodden ground at this point, but just an incredible game really on Saturday. A very weird team selection for his Man United side. Uh, a comprehensive defeat to West Ham. Very downbeat interview afterwards when you might have expected him to kind of go for the players or, or, or just otherwise kind of distract. Is this the end game now for Jose? Do we think? I think he wants a sack. I thought it got to this with, with Chelsea last time that he wanted the sack in the end and it suited him because he, when he got sacked, he could kind of make a big thing of the fact, oh, well, I left them. They were still in the Champions League. We still had a chance of finishing top six or stuff. Well, I'd have done it. Of course I would have done. Everything would have turned around. And he can protect his reputation a little bit by actually not seeing out the whole crisis. And the events of the last week with the whole Pogba issue and then just the way he's been, what we're hearing from inside the camp with Rouse's Sanchez, dropping Sanchez out of the squad, which actually was probably the right decision. But I just think he now appears like a man who, who wants the sack again, who wants to get out, who wants to try and now keep as much of his reputation intact as he possibly can. And 
it's just going to unravel even more. The longer he's there, they might pick up the odd win here or there. I could see them beating Newcastle if he's still there at the weekend, but I just think it's going to unravel to the point of, of no return. Do we, do we think he'll last the week? I think he'll last the week, yeah. I mean, the Valencia game, particularly with it being at home, is a huge, huge game for him. I'd still definitely think he'll last the week. I did, if you'd have asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said, I don't think it can get bad enough that they'd sack him within the season because I just don't think they want to at all. But I, I actually now would be surprised if he saw out the season. Jim White was there to watch his press conference afterwards for the Telegraph. Let's, let's hear what he made of it. That was an oddly flat press conference performance by Jose Mourinho. Some might say even defeatist. It was very unlike the aggressive self-defence of his performance uh, after the Tottenham game. Instead, he waffled on a bit. His press officer curtailed it after three questions. There was nothing discussed about Paul Pogba and his flat performance, or indeed about the fact that Alexis Sanchez had not even made the matchday squad. Instead, he waffled on a bit about his three-man uh, defence, which failed miserably, and about the performance of Scott McTominay. Um, but otherwise, it was almost as if he's given up. JJ, not just Jose Mourinho, but the players also look like they've given up. I don't understand why they came into the game without the intensity that we were talking about the last few weeks that they need to, to bring to it. Man United looked good against Burnley a few weeks ago, but that was easy because Burnley didn't really turn up. And now they're just... The shape he played was weird, playing McTominay as a centre-back. I mean, I can understand where he's coming from with this, right? So he's trying to prove a point about Eric um, Bailly or Bailey not playing him. He didn't get his centre-half, so he's throwing a bit of a strop, perhaps. He's you done know. that before, though, hasn't he? Know, How many times did he keep making well, that it's point? it's so annoying, isn't it? He's, like, he must have run out of excuses now, and he's just been so petty with it, trying to say, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get that. Well, lesser man- like supposedly lesser managers have got far more out of reduced players. No player that Mourinho signed has improved. The team has never really been... It's awful to watch. I hate watching them. It's boring. and Nothing really comes of it. The goals they score are never particularly entertaining. There's no... Look at the players they've got. They could play a front three of Rashford, Lukaku and Sanchez even, if, you know, if he performed to anything like he should do. And that should be an attacking three that could do damage against the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea. But instead, he sits them back near their own box, lets West Ham control the game. Even Mark Noble looks like... Raquel me putting through balls in <laughs> that, the defending for that, that two centre-backs all over the place Arnautovic just drops back in to receive the ball he walks into the penalty area I, I can't I've never seen such poor defending from a team like Man United West Ham blew it a bunch of times as well didn't they they had so many good counter-attacking positions that they, they yeah. almost didn't know what to do with, uh, with the chances they had and it's weird you know slagging off Man United because it detracts from how good West Ham were but then they were allowed to be brilliant because Man United were like pathetic. How has it come to this, do we think, Mina? Have, have, have we seen any sign that Jose Mourinho has modified his approach, that he's evolved as a manager? He doesn't seem to have learnt from his mistakes at Chelsea or Real Madrid. No, it's really interesting, actually, with this one, because I think that as a coach, you know, people say when, when a player just becomes bad or he's not living up to his potential, you're like, well, he hasn't forgotten how to be a player. I can't imagine that Jose Mourinho has forgotten how to be a coach. But... The thing here is that it just seems like he's always gone for clubs in which he's king and he makes every single decision. And he's always been at clubs where his personality has been almost bigger than that. I know that's controversial, but almost bigger than the club. When he arrived at Chelsea, they weren't a side that were constantly winning, so they could put all their eggs into his basket and let him lead and be the man to take over and win. And he was exciting and charismatic. 
He went to Inter, who, despite a long history of winning, never really had an identity and were constantly sort of being made fun of by the Juve and Milan fans. One was big in Europe, one was big domestically. So again, he could walk in, command center stage, everyone lived up to everything that he wanted. Then he went to Real Madrid, a club whose name is so big that no big manager in the world can possibly compete. And I feel like that's when he started to lose something. He didn't really command the dressing room as he thought fit. His instructions weren't carried out, even from sort of taking corners, because the likes of Sergio Ramos said, well, I make the decisions because I'm actually a player and you're just a guy who never played the game. And that was the first time that you saw, you know, World Cup winners and 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 great players turn around and actually doubt his instructions, actually doubt his ability to lead them. They were negging him, basically. Basically, yeah. So I think that ever since then, he, he, you know, there is a bit of him that's obviously developed a psychological problem because of it as well. He's realized that people will stand up to him and he hasn't yet figured out how to get over it. But despite all of that, and there's many things that you can go into tactically, he has no identity, he's not playing the same squad. It's almost like he's trying to throw all of it away. He's trying to get this team ruined. He's causing arguments, silly arguments, you know, like, why did Paul Pogba, you know, unleash a video? Did it look like he was happy that we lost to Derby County? But it's not that, actually. It was a delayed video. All of this is just nonsense. I think that what's interesting is Gary Neville, when he came out and blamed Edward Wood. And a lot of the fans seem to agree with that. And I do think that this is a wider problem with United. How many coaches are they going to go through? They've had Moyes, they've had Van Hal, they've had Mourinho, they've gone for the big names, they've gone for the builders, they've gone for everything. And now they want Zidane. Do they understand what it is that they want? I'm not entirely sure what else they could be doing, though, because they, they've, they, there, was a, there was a sort of a reason for appointing Moyes. I thought it was flawed thinking. Van Hal was a sort of semi-logical appointment of that brilliant World Cup. And Mourinho, you think, is going to be that person who comes in and makes it all okay. I, I agree with you on, on Woodward to a degree, but what I would say is I, I was with an ex-Premier League manager on Friday having a coffee with him, and he pointed out the fact that for all the muddled thinking at United and the muddled thinking from Ed Woodward and the transfer strategy, that squad is an excellent squad. It needs a central defender, but that is an excellent squad. You've got Herrera, you've got Matic, you've got Fred, you've got Fellaini, you've got Pogba. I mean, that you should be able to make a midfield out of that. And they had no midfield to speak of at West Ham. Their striking options are actually incredible. You know, possibly the best in the league. The, the guy I was speaking to last week was saying if, if he could choose any of the squads to try and take on Man City, it would be United's. That it's actually a really, really strong squad being mismanaged. You think, think the fullbacks are good enough? The fullbacks are good enough. You can... Valencia and Shaw is yeah. decent, yeah. It's not that bad. I, I mean, so. it's as good as Aspilicueta and, and Alonso. I mean, maybe not defensively, mean that, like, to be fair, like, maybe not. No, I see what your point is, yeah, actually. Man when City, you're looking at. It's true, Aspilicueta yeah. and, and Alonso. City have had problems think, yeah. at left back all of last season when they won the league. I don't think anyone's got perfect left backs. Ed Woodward can take a lot of blame for a lot of things at Man United, but what's going on right now is Mourinho failing with. Some very good players. Where does he go from here, do we think, Mourinho? What's left for him to do if, if he does indeed leave Man United? Well, I think there's a real problem with Mourinho and the way the kind of Mourinho brand works. That old saying, you shouldn't meet your heroes because you know you humanise them and they lose that magical thing that you looked up to and that you really loved and that's what you responded to. And there's something that's like a puncture in the Mourinho balloon somewhere, maybe at Real Madrid, like you were saying, and it, he's kind of lost that mystique. He's lost the charisma. He doesn't have. He doesn't carry that same... I don't know, magical otherness that means players will run, they'll run through walls for him. And I, I know people say behind the scenes he's all you know, nicey-nice and he looks after them. 
But it doesn't seem like that when things that come out of the behind the scenes stuff with Pogba especially and wherever he goes, you know, doesn't have that so he can't get the extra few percent that he was getting from these other... You know when you're in a relationship and sometimes you're... I, I know this is going to sound like I'm just trying to compare it here, but you're in a relationship and actually the best version of you comes out and there'll be other relationships where the worst, worst version of you comes out. I think this is one of those things where he is in a, in a surrounding environment where his players don't come in and are so excited to work with him, you know. He doesn't have the Wesley Schneiders who are high-fiving him and, you know, Samuel Letcher going, yes, boss, no, boss, whatever you want, boss, you know. And I feel like he just doesn't know how to really be the man in this kind of environment. But I do think there is a wider issue with United as a club in general. And not just because, you know, they have Edward Wood, who apparently isn't a great scout. That's not just the issue. I think that you need different managers who delegate and everyone has a different task. So one person is in charge of this, one person is in charge of media, one person is in charge with, okay, let's not overwork our players and make them do too much, too many and commit to too many media things. Let's try to work on tactics. Let's give this to Jose Mourinho. Let's give that to another director. They need to have an understanding of what it is that they want to do, what is their identity, how they want to move forward. You have to work towards this. You can't go from Mourinho to Zidane. Zidane has worked with Real Madrid and the teams that he wants to go to are France or Juventus is because he knows the environment, he knows what to expect. And he's also a guy that makes the most out of good talent. And you're saying that this is a very good team, so perhaps Zidane is the guy to extract all the talent out of these great players. But for me, this is a building job. I think that they need a guy who's going to come in and construct and teach to them how to run in midfield, what spaces to exploit, how to not all end up in the same position. It's actual, genuine, basic one and one hundred and one coaching. Rip it up and start again. They should get Edwin Collins in. That's uh, that's my solution. A word on West Ham as well. Uh, Mark Raquel May, obviously very very good indeed for them, as JJ's <laughs> mentioned. Uh, and Pablo Zabaleta, uh, kind of at the heart of all that they're yeah. doing, that's good at the moment. Is this just sort of good, dedicated pros coming to the fore, or is Pellegrini managing his veterans well? I think he's adapting to, to opponents really well, and the team seems. Balance. We'd kept saying that the midfield looks good without Jack Wheelshire in it. Sorry, Jack. But uh, Zabaleta looked like he was about 25 years old, running everywhere, running the game. They had so much space, though. There was no pressure from Man United on them, so we allowed it. Felipe Anderson is uh, definitely a very good player, as we suspected earlier in the season. Mm. And Arnautovic is a legit nine. He's very, very, very good going for a goal. I agree with JJ. I think it's all about the balance. The Jack Wilshire thing has been a blessing in disguise for them because it's allowed them to find a balance in the midfield and their centre-backs have obviously taken a bit of time to feel their way in and are now starting to look like they're, they're getting used to it. One thing I thought was funny, just to sum up, I think that was that after the game, Mourinho was doing his usual excuses for this and that and trying to, and not even trying to deflect blame. He was just slagging people off. And then he goes, well, we didn't have a Robert Snodgrass to bring on and uh, change the game. <laughs> like, yes, mate, if only you had Robert Snodgrass. <laughs> Yeah, it's not worked out very well for Scotland. Let's move on to Chelsea 1, Liverpool 1, a very high-quality game in the Premier League on Saturday evening. Delightful finish from Eden Hazard after an amazing goal in the week against the same opponents. Do we think Alisson should have done better for that, or am I being too harsh? I think you're being a little bit harsh. Okay. I think he literally put it in the only place he could actually score. It, there, there was some goals, that there's just one kind of tiny little margin of the net you can get it in that's going to get past the keeper, and, and Hazard found it. I don't really think... I thought Alisson actually had a good game. He made yeah. a good save. Lots from, of good saves. Yeah, he, he did well. Both keepers were good, actually. 
What's the mood like at Chelsea? Their fans must be surprised by how good they've been so far. It must be kind of bouncing down there. Yeah, I think there's still a reticence to get carried away. I don't sense any sort of rah-rah, we're going to win the league or anything Sarried like that. away, perhaps. They're yet to sing his name as well, which is interesting. I've, I'm yet to hear them sing Sarri's name and give him what a good start he's made. I think they still feel that they will get found out at some stage, which is what I've been thinking the whole way through, and they, they keep going, and the defence is a lot better against Liverpool. But I think there's a reticence to get carried away, albeit with a, a very pleasantly surprised. And it's just brilliant going and watch Eden Hazard at the moment. It really is. I mean, it's got that feel about when you Barcelona come to town with Messi or you see Ronaldo or something like that. I mean, you, you literally would turn up excited to see one player. And you know if that player plays well that Chelsea have got a chance. He's, he's that important to them. I thought Liverpool were looking fairly vulnerable at times, Mina. Are you worried for them in the, in European competition if they keep playing this way? Uh, you know me and my defence. But actually, I'm going to stick up for them here because I don't think defensively they're poor. I think that what Chelsea did so well was react so fast that Liverpool couldn't find their shape at the back or really just get in time. It was more about the speed of Chelsea and how good they were at exploiting any weaknesses that they found in in defence and mistakes happen. But in general, I think that they're very balanced. They're more pragmatic in their approach. They're better at managing games. What's interesting is I never knew, a lot of people ask me, you know, what did you think of Liverpool last season? And I can honestly say, I don't know. They were tremendous in, in the when it came to the league, obviously, especially the second half of the season. But when it came to the Champions League, they reached the final and I really didn't know how to judge them because they only faced a domestic champion that was a big team someone they knew on a domestic level, but they never faced the Bayern or a Barcelona or Real Madrid or a Juve. So I didn't know how good they were at facing different types of teams or different types of defences. What's interesting is that now Chelsea is that kind of squad. It's a difficult squad to play against because they don't know what to expect. It's unpredictable. It's a new side. And I thought that they held up well. Going forward, I'm interested to see because this is, I, I think this is a developing Liverpool. I think they've got the balance right. I think their midfield is very good. I know that that means that some of their strikers or, or forwards might suffer because of it, but this is a team that I think can go far. Not Daniel Sturridge suffering though, came on and scored a, a marvellous goal very quickly. Can you talk me through the technique, JJ? You're a far better footballer than me. The flight <laughs> of that ball... It's not hard. The, the flight of that yeah. ball was so unusual, almost like it had got deflected. An extremely satisfying goal to watch. I'm not sure anyone who's ever seen me play football would happily listen to me describe how to kick that <laughs> properly. I like how Shakiri got an assist for it. That's funny. <laughs> so Shakiri runs with the ball and passes to Sturridge about 30 yards out, 25 yards. There, was a, like there was a really dodgy assist in the week for Hazards as well, wasn't there? Which I think went down oh, as well, yeah. a tiny I've, little one-two. I've got a bugbear about assist corners. Should never be assists. Oh, no, definitely yeah, I agree with that. No, no, no. They should never Fabregas be has got so many assists from just floating random balls in that Costa would, would score. Oh, no, I think you have to give them. No, really? corners no, shouldn't no, be assists in my book. Wow. 2v1. The mob has spoken. The technique of it is he just puts his foot underneath it, so he's sort of hooking it almost, so the bend takes it away from the keeper. But what's hard to do, and Salah was getting it wrong quite a lot during the game, was trying to, to bend it top to top corner and get it away from the keeper. You have to make it curl out the way by getting your foot underneath it, so it also lifts, so it goes over and around. Sturridge's shot is clever because it bends sort of away from the keeper, and keeper, keeper, the keeper, can't get anywhere... Close to it, he's diving. I wonder whether he's out of position. I don't, I'm not a goalkeeper, so I don't know. It just totally went over his finger. He was at full stretch. In the top corner, was it? It sort of bit, bit landed over him. It was almost yeah. like he lobbed a little bit. It, it yeah, was. Okay. It was strange that actually N'Golo Kante was a little bit slow to close him down. Oh. You shut 
Shut your mouth, Matt Law. You cannot you cannot criticise Angelo Kante for anything. Oh, well, I am. Wow. That goal was his fault. I think that he thought that Sturridge was going to pull that out. Yeah. I thought he was really slow to get close to him. Sturridge had sort of time to, to pick his spot, and he was right there. I, I didn't know what he's doing. Angelo Kante normally would be on him. Yeah. Fraud go low, Kante. <laughs> <laughs> David Luiz was uh, superb as well. There's the <sighs> passing especially. <laughs> uh, he was really good and also yeah. had the way that he read the game. His anticipation yeah. of danger was, I thought, was very good. At long balls, he was pinging over the top. The one for William just turned nothing into a chance out of, no- out of nowhere. I love watching those. What about Mo Salah? Liverpool did look slightly better when he was removed. Would you give him a rest at this point? He kept getting into position. He's, he's not actually that different from Mo Salah this time last season. He was missing chances this time last season. And this time last season, I'd have never, ever expected him to actually even get kind of 20 goals because I thought he, his finishing was dodgy and then all of a sudden he just exploded. He's still getting into a lot of positions. He actually caused Chelsea a lot of problems. He dragged their defence around. For as good as David Luiz was, I thought he was giving Alonso and David Luiz quite a rough time in the first half. But his finishing is off at the moment. You would assume at some point it will come back. So I'm kind of with Klopp. I wouldn't be overly concerned about him. Sam Wallace was there watching Mo Salah for us. Here's what he made of it. A really wonderful game today at Stamford Bridge, especially in the first half of both teams attacking. It was interesting in the post-match press conference, uh, a lot of the focus naturally on Daniel Sturridge, but also on on Mohamed Salah. And I think uh, that's certainly an issue for Liverpool at the moment. I mean, they're they're a club that had a very strong start to the season. Klopp was quite straightforward about it afterwards he said uh, 100% that was not the best game of his career he said I'm happy with the, with the fact that he is trying to be decisive I just wonder I mean his, his rise has been so stratospheric in English football that his sort of expectations are high and I think uh, he's obviously uh, like a lot of goal scorers um, one whose confidence goes up and down and it'll be interesting to see, uh, see how that develops over the next few weeks Let's rattle through the rest of the Premier League. Now, Manchester City go top following a 2-0 win over Brighton. Leroy Sane, another player like Mo Salah, is struggling a little bit, uh, or has been so far this year, but he did look back to his best on Saturday. Is he in that kind of classes permanent category, do we think, Sane, where he is, or he's going to return to the levels we expect of him? Oh, I don't know. I, I love Leroy Sane. And for me, he's never gone down, not for a second. I think that what he does is he destabilises defensive when he's even when he's just a a mediocre player on the pitch and isn't living up to his potential. His pace just drags so many defenders out of position that he creates so many spaces for those behind him to exploit. I think he's fantastic, his technique, his uh, reading of the game, how how he knows how to use his speed. So, yes, he may have bad times and he may have good times and he may have been even under some criticism from the German national team and and his teammates, but... I do think that he's the player to always watch out for. Incidentally, I was doing some rehearsals for Champions League matches and we were looking over the old ones of last season. It's remarkable how much a difference the guy would make when he's on the pitch, just how much spaces he would open for the likes of Kevin De Bruyne to to exploit. Having him, I really think that he should always be starting because I think with consistency, he'll be even better. Everton slightly fortunate in a 3-0 win against Fulham. Some big chances for the visitors, but Cenk Tosin shoving AFC Telegraph's words down its throat after we uh, some, uh, absolutely mugged him off last week. Explain to me again why he can't be a kind of back-to-goal striker. Because of the three behind him, Richarlison, Walcott and Sigurdsson, that, that's quite a promising team up front, isn't it? 
just not good enough. Oh dear. <laughs> but we were saying last one week goal, they don't, they don't one have... goal since April, right. Tusson. And that goal... can't, can't he just be kind of forever looking back at those three behind him, holding it up and laying it off to them? It doesn't need to be like well, like a Giroud. I mean, well, I, I always think of Heide Helgerson at QPR in the promotion season of 2010-11, as I'm sure you all do. Uh, yeah, I often think about that. Um, Sari, <laughs> Sari's done that with Giroud coming in from Morata. I mean, that's the whole... It's almost use him as a wall for Eden Hazard to bounce the ball off. It's a theory. I'm not sure Tosson has quite got it about him to play that. It, fine, he, he scored a, a header, which I think owed actually more to, to Theo Walcott than any sort of... Tossing, brilliant. Yeah, the header from inside the six-yard box. It's not exactly yes. a poacher masterclass. Yes. I think as well, he's not really a target man. He's a he's a bit of a goal poacher. So he looks like a target. People, I think it's very easy to make this mistake where he's, someone looks like a target man, so you think he is, but he's he just play, he just has that size. If he was properly a target man, he would have been playing every week under Allardyce. Allardyce would have loved him, yeah. and Allardyce wouldn't play him. So there's no way he's a target man. I do think he should be given a chance, though, just to see what happens. Maybe this will give him something. I, I agree that he's more of a poacher, but try to find a way to get the best out of him when he is just in the box. And he obviously can do the simple things very well as a striker. So perhaps just getting the delivery for him with three behind him, it should be a little bit easier. At least use him because they don't have any options, really. If they create chances, his talent should be that he can find the space and be there at the right time to... Just exploit. Yeah, to make yeah. use of them. It was a 2-0 victory for Arsenal against Watford in the London Colney Derby at Ashburton Grove. The, the manner of this victory, JJ, would have been uh, quite satisfying, you would have thought, for Arsenal and their supporters. Is, are they getting more steely, do we think? No, I don't think they would be oh, that no. overly oh, no. satisfied with it. You are, you're disagreeing with me a lot this week. I know, it's I'm good, sorry, it's, Tom. It's good, it's good audio product. Yes, um, we need a bit of conflict. You know, <laughs> I think Watford should have won that game. They had the better chances, they created better. Arsenal still don't look quite... There, but this is the thing with them. Um, do we have any input from our old friend XG? Uh, we do, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, let's get into that. Uh, uh, well, I'd go with Michael Calley's XG, but he's got Watford at 1.9 and Arsenal 1.6. I've seen the BBC's one that they had was um, far more in favour of Watford. I think it was something like 2.9 to 1. or, or it, Basically, Watford had the better chances and they created more. They had good shots. It was very tight. It's one of those games where you have two teams of very good players who largely cancel each other out and there's mistakes that decide the game. But Watford missed their chances and Arsenal took theirs. Well, apart from Alexandra Lacazette, who missed a one-on-one with that little chip, which was... Very funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I don't think they should be that happy with it. Um, it's Arsenal be up and down. If you, you know, on another day, they'd have lost that game. It's just one of those where they've not really got control of it, but they have ended up winning it. You can see them sort of progressing under Unai Emery. Yeah. You know, there was... All of this, like, they're horrifying defending. It seemed all to be a little bit out of shape. There was no cohesion going forward. But now you're seeing the talent of Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil. It's starting to shine a little bit more. They seem to be actually enjoying their football. And their defence is not really being looked upon as such. And it might just get better with Leno there. Yeah. Do you think Czech's going to get his place back? He went he went down with a hamstring injury, didn't he, which brought Leno in. Who He did look quite good. He did. He looked really fantastic. I actually kept a clean sheet and I know that he came on as a substitute, but it's a really good start for him. Honestly, I think they should stick with him for a little bit just to, because there's no point bringing him in if he's never going to play, but I do think just alternate. Finally, a goal from the penalty spot for Harry Kane and a pretty standard issue 2-0 win for Spurs against doomed Huddersfield. Uh, is he the best penalty taker you've seen for some time, Harry Kane? I'm not going to say the best of all time. I'm worried JJ's going to disagree with me again. <laughs> Leticia, I think, was the best I've ever seen. Mark Noble's really good at penalties, isn't he? Um, Harry Kane's very good. He's very good at pressure penalties, particularly. 
don't know what to say about Harry Kane that hasn't already been said. I, I love Harry Kane. He's, he's, he's a terrible amazing. footballer. That's what's not been Yeah, I love Harry Kane potentially more than Gary Cahill. Big week for Tottenham, Barcelona. I mean, after that, uh, after that result in Milan, that's a huge game for them. I mean, if they get turned over at home by Barcelona, it's going to look like it might be difficult for them to qualify. Injuries, but they've, they've, you know, I wouldn't say they've come on strong. I didn't think they played fantastically again, but they're they're grinding out results again now. Matt, you've already alluded to it. Let's talk about the Champions League now. Here's how I've got it, ranging from the most likely to the least likely that they'll win their tie. Hoffenheim, Man City, easy Man City win. Man United, Valencia, I think United will get it done. Wrong. Okay, we'll we'll get to it. (laughs) Napoli versus Liverpool, I think that's a tough game for Liverpool. And Spurs versus Barcelona, I don't think Spurs are going to win that football match. Although it is a, a good time to be playing Barcelona. How wrong am I with that order? I think that... Valencia will go. I think Man United would rather be playing in Valencia this week. <laughs> I really do. I think in front of a nervous Old Trafford, I think it'll be a really, really tricky game for them. It looked a tough game when the, the draw was made and just the way things are at the moment. You couldn't. I bet if we went around this table and tried to predict what Mourinho will do, we'd get four different predictions with based on just randomness because I think that's the way Mourinho's managing at the moment. McTominay think, in goal, perhaps. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, he could literally do anything going into that game. So I think that is by far, because of the storyline around it, the most interesting tie of the week. I actually think a trip to Napoli is a really difficult trip for Liverpool. I think that would be really interesting. Mina will know far more than me about that. Yeah, you saw them at the weekend, Napoli. Mina, how, how are they looking? Yeah, but it was Juventus, and I, I don't mean that in the, you know, but Juventus have Ronaldo, and that's all you need to know because he was the hero of that game in the sense that he actually played as a leader rather than a guy who's just trying to get goals. Napoli, for the first 20 minutes, was as good as I've ever seen a team play. They were fantastic in the way that they controlled play. They're in a new formation. It doesn't look like they're in any way under in transition, having moved from Sadi, who had such a a stable plan and a tactical identity and now shifting formations, shifting players and personnel, you could still see them like being Napoli, the side that just dominated possession that knew how to to find the spaces and create. But the problem is, is that there's still a lot of work to be done. They do have talented players and they are actually rotating the squad so they're not all as exhausted as they were last season and they don't have to only focus on one competition. But I'm interested to see what happens when they are facing pace and and Sane, Salah and Firmino for me is, is it's tough. So it's going to be interesting but because they're at home and the support alone can be very intimidating for the opponent. But just on a note on Valencia, they only managed their first win of the season this weekend. I, I mean, they do have a tremendous coach in Marcelino. I'm one of his biggest fans. And last season, he worked wonders with a side that many thought were just never going to get back to what they once were. But having seen them play this season, they just look out of sorts and I'm they're almost as bad as United you know if so I'm so interested to see who's going to be worse in that match (laughs) because I can't see either of them doing really well that's what the Champions League group stage is really all about what about Barcelona JJ what's going on there at the moment and do you think Spurs have got any chance of of doing them it's very difficult Barcelona I mean they've had three bad results in a row they've had a draw loss and a draw they rested um, Busquets and Messi in the, in the last one against Athletic Bilbao. They had a one-all draw and they had a, a man sent off against Girona a couple of weeks ago. I'd imagine it's just a blip. Like they were beating teams 8-2 about three weeks ago. 
Yeah, but it was a Wesker. Well, yeah, I know, I know. But I mean, they're not suddenly a bad team. You know, they've still got no, the Messies and your and your Busquetses and all and all those. And I, I don't think Spurs look particularly great. And I think against a team who can really play football and hold the ball well and manage how Spurs are playing, I'd imagine Barcelona will be too good for them. But it, it could go either way. And I mean, they're they're both deservedly in the Champions League. So I it's don't know. Yeah, I'm interested. I, isn't if you are going to face Barcelona, it'll probably be right now is probably the best time. Or they could just be reeling and they actually will show you their pride. But they're making a lot of defensive mistakes, which they didn't last season. I think it's interesting because PK is being pressured into things that he and, and making so, in so many individual mistakes, and not just him, the whole team. Sergio Busquets, Rakitic, there isn't that midfield understanding. I do think losing Andres Iniesta is a big thing. Um, obviously, Coutinho has been brilliant, but it's just about getting the whole team to respond as a team. And at the moment, there's little mistakes. There's, there's no Iniesta as well. And I know he's not played as much recently, but you'd sort of see it's the end of that he's, era. It's really yeah, kind of come to the cycle. Yeah. It, it's about, it's really having a guy who just, you can at least pass him the ball when you need a break because you know he'll hold on to it and do something special with it. It's having that reliable source in midfield that they don't actually perhaps have at the moment. Why can't Obviously, Coutinho do that? He's still new and he's brilliant. By the way, he's been really good for Barcelona. It's not that, but it's a it's a case of Rakitic is not himself at the moment. Sergio Busquets is not himself at the moment. That is going to have an impact on Coutinho as well, regardless of whatever you say. Iniesta was a very special player and it's going to take a long time. They're also trying to bleed in Usman Dembele and he's been great at the start of the season, but there needs to be more of a tactical identity, which I think they're missing at the moment. It's a lot of mistakes in that team. Yeah, it's yeah. just a lot of mistakes. So if Spurs press high up and really show and play with energy and, and guts. Although, having said that, their opponents usually only need 15 minutes to I, destroy them. I worry them. about their fullbacks. Whenever I see Tottenham in Europe against really top opposition, their fullbacks, particularly left-back, get exposed. And he never seems to know quite whether to go with Davis or Rose. And both of them have struggled in big, big Champions League games. Davis, particularly against Juventus and Inter Milan, really struggled. And I think Trippier gets found out a little bit at that level too. So that would be my worry for Tottenham. A quick word on the England squad, which we get on Thursday before games against Croatia and Spain in the Nations League. Any new names do we expect, Matt, in Gareth Southgate's squad? Yeah, well, I think there will be because I think Gareth Southgate made a big point last time that he wasn't going to drop players from the World Cup on the basis of three games. But the players he wanted to see playing haven't really played. Lalana's been out injured. Uh, Loftus-Cheek hasn't played at all. So I think there's going to have to be a couple of changes in midfield. We could see your favourite, James Madison, come in. Declan Rice is an interesting one, whether they use this as an opportunity to try and get him in. He's, he's, been, he's undecided between England. He's undecided and these are two competitive fixtures. So if you just got him on for a minute in one of them, that, that would be that. So it would be a good time to try and get him in. And then Sturridge, I mean, four goals. He's not starting games regularly, but he's scoring regularly. He looked like maybe one of those players that Southgate had decided was sort of past it for England almost, but it looks like he might have to go back to Sturridge. So I think there will be a few interesting decisions. But we think too early for the new Andre Iniesta, Phil Foden. <laughs> yes, he wasn't even in the under-21 squad last time, which was a real surprise. So on the basis of the odd game here and there, I know he scored in the, the Carabao Cup. I don't think that's enough for a leap from the under-19s into the seniors this time. Jaden Sancho is the highest assists in the European top five leagues. I can't talk today as well. This is my turn. <laughs> but Sancho, um, he's a proper player. He's really tidy on the ball. He's really quick. And he absolutely could do something. But I'd imagine he'll still be under-21s for now. He wasn't in the under-21s either last time. So I'd imagine he would step up to the under-21s. 
Southgate was was really quite forthright on the on the both of them, saying that it's too early, too early for both. That would be quite a, a shift for him it's a few weeks though, right? later. It, it should be that they they play when they're ready to play rather than being brought through to it. Yeah, That's what the under I, I think Southgate's very aware of the the media circus it would create. I mean, there would be so interesting that the whole week would be dominated with pieces about them and their backgrounds and this and that, and it would put an awful lot of pressure on them. And these are two actually really important competitive fixtures. They're not friendlies. Were we to lose both of them, then that's pretty much just relegated from our Nations League table. And that that would really, really hurt. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Let's move on to the cleverest moment of the weekend in association with our friend JJ Ball. JJ, what was your cleverest moment of the weekend? Not yours, a moment from football. No, sure, I don't have anyone's. I'm going to do two very quickly. The first one is from Wolves, Adama Traore, who defenders hate him. Five reasons why. He's really quick, so balanced, and he, he seems to lose control of the ball sometimes when he's running, but he's going so fast, almost like his legs want him to take off like, and fly away. Uh, so he comes on for Wolves, he kind of bundles his way forward with the ball, gets to the box, pulls it into the six-yard box for Raul Jimenez, who has the ball at his foot and controlled. Now, in that split decision, most strikers, I think, Premier League, would want to try and turn and get a shot away, but he instantly just looks back, for, he looks for a pass straight away because he knows the keeper's coming towards him, lays it back to um, Ivan Cavallero, who's back from injury and was excellent as a substitute. And his first touch of the game was to ping it high into the top of the net. The last season at Championship, he had nine goals and 12 assists. I've got my stats. And uh, obviously that will add something to them going forward. And Wolves are already bang tidy. They just look fantastic this season. Uh, another one I'll quickly uh, mention was James Madison's corner for Podcast Harry favorite. Maguire to score. Because he puts it at a height that Harry Maguire has to leap to connect with it. I know this sounds stupid, but it's not just put in with no direction. He puts it exactly the height that Maguire can leap to reach it. And he gets above, I think it's Matt Ritchie, he beats the ball. But it's perfectly onto his head, and it's a. Uh, I don't know how you kick a ball so accurately. And it's this fantastic. is why corners should count for assists. Exactly. We've yeah. squared the circle. Finally, I'm sure you're all delighted to know that FIFA 19 is with us at last. Uh, I am interested, podcast teammates, in what is your favourite football video game of all time? I had two Sensible Soccer and Kickoff. Mm. Basically, because in Sensible Soccer, I could score direct from a corner, and in Kickoff, I could score direct from the kickoff. <laughs> and that made them very pleasing games to play. And do you now prefer for your football to be viewed from, you know, 2,000 feet above the pitch? Yeah, just, just watching little up. heads. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much like going to the London Stadium, to be honest with you. Hey. So it's quite, quite a lot like watching the sensible soccer guys. Any other nominations? I mean, I still play Tetris. I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> How long can I talk about it for? Uh, 16 seconds. 16 seconds, okay. I mean, Football Manager has clearly it had a... A hugely influential part of my life, and I think it's become part of the sport now. It's amazing. I loved all of them, particularly the early ones, like Championship Manager 97, 98 for a change football manager. Why was 97, 98 the one? Cause it, well, it's nostalgia, and you, you get into it, and I think that's why. And it's How old were you when you were playing that? Uh, 13. Who was your team? You used to go as Newcastle Aberdeen. One of the, I used to like a Premier League team who was an underdog you'd make better. Was that the one where there was someone from Brighton you could sign called Smith, who would always turn out to be amazing? There was a few of them, and there was like Andrew Sigthorson. His, really? his you brother's had the option to play with Zidane and Ronaldo, and you're choosing to play with Aberdeen. Because, well, yeah, because I, <laughs> yeah, because for me, it's the this part of the game. you know you're a football capitalist. <laughs> well, that's it. I like, I like the, the, the lower part of the game and, you, and I think you see not that people who support the big clubs you know don't see things 
what I mean is um, when you're when you're lower down, you understand the struggles that these clubs have in real life because you really see how difficult it is and what these barriers are in your way to getting to any sort of success. I mean, you can cheat the game, you can't in real life. That's never a thing. Pro Evo ISS ninety eight was probably one of the most. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It changed that whole console game, video games part. The original FIFA ninety four was important. Sensible soccer and sensible world soccer is good. The new Pro Evo is. I don't have the same nostalgia to it, but I genuinely think it's probably the the best like football game you can play I've ever played. Fantastic. It's really good, yeah. Take that, FIFA. That's all from this week's AFC Telegraph. If you need me before next Monday, head over to Twitter where I'm at Tom with an H Gibbs. I've got a question for you this week after JJ's bold Mark Noble Roman Raquel May mashup. I want to hear about the most ridiculous player comparison you've ever heard. Let us know via the medium of a review on Apple Podcasts and I'll read out the best next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Telegraph Audio Football Club while you're there. Thanks to Abby Patterson on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Well done, you've made it to the grand unveiling. Here is this week's mystery player. Yes, that's right. I'm Sam Parkin, the former Swindon, Ipswich and Luton striker, and you've been listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club.